0: We're continuing our series this week on hope and help. This is week four in a five-week series. Next week, we'll conclude it and get ready for Easter, which is 1,900,000 seconds away, and you need to invite somebody to come with you. Uh, This week's title is Becoming a Compassionate People. We're looking at the distinctives in the vineyard church and how our church already already exhibits those same distinctives in in many many ways so we want to make sure that we're we're familiar with those um it doesn't help, hurt us at all to refresh our memories from time to time maybe once a year as we look at our church and what our mission is and are we are we really um, sticking to our mission, or have we gotten off track somewhat? When our church was located over on Highway 17, we got a lot more drop-ins than we do here. It was just a, a different group of people that were passing by out front. It was probably a little easier to to access, too, than, than this place is. And these were people who were on the road to to somewhere, A lot of different places who stopped by the church, usually asking for money for gas or food along the way. And they all had a story to tell. And sometimes, quite frankly, I couldn't tell whether it was true or not. But they needed help. And usually I would help, unless the story was just too unbelievable to to go with. I would help them not by giving money, because I'm going to tell you, never give money in those circumstances, but by taking them over to the gas station and filling their tank up with gas. Uh, Or by taking them to McDonald's and buying them lunch or, or dinner. That's how I felt I could really help more than just handing out money to do whatever with. That's what we do as Christians. That's what we're supposed to do. We, we help the people in need around us. And all of us will at some point in our lives be that person who needs some help. Every one of us sitting here will come to that point at some time where we're going to need help. And if you haven't yet, well, hang on. Because it's coming, I promise you. At some point in your life, it will happen. And that's one of the things that our church has always been about. Renovation Vineyard Church, you see, is about becoming a compassionate and merciful people. Here's our focus Why should we remember the poor? Why should we remember them? And what does it mean to show compassion and mercy? That's the, uh, the topic of this message today. But first, let's ask the Holy Spirit to give us the heart and the mind of Jesus as we look at this all-important topic to Jesus himself. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, for bringing us together here, for, for uh, calling us from busy lives to come today and worship you corporately all together in one place lifting up praise to your name we know that you inhabit the praises of your people we welcome you here we pray come Holy Spirit come Holy Spirit work in this in this room in these hearts in these people in all of us Allow us to see your movement here today. That when we leave here, we have no doubt in our minds that you have been at work among us. And God, this morning I pray for the, the uh, folks that are finishing up the Holy Spirit weekend up at Fort Caswell. That uh, their time of, of teaching and reflection this morning would be rich, as rich as the other sessions have been. And that uh, their travel home would be safe. We give you praise and honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So remember the poor. Remember the poor. The scripture says so many times. Why should we even care about the poor? Why should we? Well, I think there's about four reasons that we could name, and uh, we'll look at those here this morning. The first is we should care about the poor because Jesus cares. There's a pretty good reason. Look at Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. And all the scriptures I'm using today will be from the English Standard Version, unless I tell you otherwise. Um, if you have an NIV, you can follow along. It's not that much different. You you can, you can track right with us. But the scriptures on the screen, the one that I wrote in your um, outline there, is is in ESV, English Standard Version. This particular scene takes place in Jesus' boyhood synagogue in Nazareth. That's the village that Jesus grew up in. He was given this scroll. He was starting his earthly ministry. He was given the scroll of Isaiah, and he turned to this passage. So follow along as I read it to you. There's some excellent phrases in here the spirit of the Lord is upon me because because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are opposed oppressed excuse me and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and when Jesus finished reading this passage He handed the scroll back to the rabbi and then he sat down. You could probably hear a pin drop. And everyone was looking at him, expecting him to say something. And then as was the tradition, he stood up. And he said this, it's the next little bit of scripture after that. The scripture you've heard you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. You know that scripture I just read to you? It's been fulfilled today in your midst. And they were amazed. And well, they should have been too. In these few simple words, Jesus declared that he was the one who would fulfill this prophecy. And there's two phrases in particular that deal with what we're talking about today. The first is proclaim good news to the poor. These were people who were, who were poor in the world's eyes, people who were often overlooked, often disdained, spoken of with contempt. They were also people who were poor in spirit, people who were meek and humble, People who were truly sorry for the life that they had led. And it ends with, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. In in short, this was Jesus' message to the poor. He was speaking to the poor. He said, the hope and help you've been waiting for, it's here now. It's here. God has sent me to you, and you're included in God's plan no matter what anyone else might think about you. He was talking directly to the poor. And when Jesus stood up in that synagogue, he continued the long tradition of the Old Testament prophets. Remember the poor. He said, I I care. I care for you. And he said, I'm here for you. So why should we remember the poor? Because Jesus cared for them. And secondly, because it's good for our souls. When we care for the poor, we're also caring for our own souls. In essence, we are inviting the Holy Spirit to give us the mind and the heart of Jesus. Take a look at Matthew 25, verse 37. Jesus is here teaching about the the final judgment. And he says... We will be judged based on how we treat the poor. So follow along with this one. We're going to pick it up in verse 37. Matthew 25:37. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Caring for the poor, you see, is good for our souls for several reasons. First of all, we serve Jesus. He said, you did it to me. So we're serving Jesus. In fact, this passage of Scripture has motivated countless, countless acts of kindness and mercy, not out of a fear of judgment. Remember, he was talking about the final judgment, not because we're fearful of what's going to happen in the judgment, but out of love for Jesus himself. Caring for the poor is also good for our souls because we learn from Jesus. He says, I desire mercy. Here's what's going on in Matthew 9, 13, where that quote comes from. Jesus has been associating with outcasts, tax collectors, sinners. And the religious leaders are asking, why are you spending so much time with those sorts of people? Oh, How can you hang around with them? And in response to the religious leaders' questions, look at what Jesus says to them. This is Matthew 9, 13. He says, Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. In fact, Jesus says, These are the very people that I came for. When we care for the poor, the sinners, the tax collectors, all the others of the world, Jesus is teaching us about mercy. Caring for the poor is also good for our souls because we we love like Jesus. We've looked at this verse a couple of times already in this this, uh, series. He had compassion on them. What we have in this little bit of Scripture from Matthew nine thirty-five and 36 is an actual glimpse into Jesus' heart. It says this, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the king- kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And do you know what the next verse right after that says? The very next verse says, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. I don't know whether you got the connection there or not, but Jesus wants our help loving people, people who are harassed and helpless. He wants us to help. And finally, caring for the poor is good for our souls because we are blessed by Jesus. This next uh, little scripture comes from the Sermon on the Mount. a a little section of Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is teaching people how to live happy and fulfilling lives. We call this section the Beatitudes. Matthew chapter 5, verse 7 says this. Jesus is teaching, and he says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. So why should we care about the poor? Because Jesus cares about the poor, first of all. And because caring for the poor is good for our so- souls. But thirdly, caring for the poor we, we should do because it's our responsibility. It's your responsibility. It's my responsibility. Look at Galatians 2.10. Paul says this. They, they asked us to remember the poor. The very thing I was eager to do. So what's going on here? This is the Apostle Paul. New Testament. He traveled to Jerusalem, and he went there to ask the apostles that lived there to bless this missionary journey that he was going out on, much like we did today. It would be the same sort of thing. Bless these people as, as, as we go out among the Gentiles. And they were happy to do just that. But they also wanted to make sure... That he didn't forget them, particularly the poor Christians living in and around Jerusalem who had been so persecuted, jobs taken away, houses burned, um, uprooted, uh, probably living in hovels somewhere. And some of you remember that in the early church there were a large number of widows who, who would have been destitute if it hadn't been for the church taking care of them. And what was Paul's response when he was told to remember the poor? He said, I'd be happy to do that. And he did just that. He took up offerings in the Gentile churches and sent those offerings back to the poor Christians in Jerusalem. Paul had a responsibility to remember the poor. But so do we, particularly poor Christians in poor churches. We've got a ton of them around here, right out through the country, in Horry County. And look at the little churches that have 25 or less people in them. So here's the big idea for today remember the poor. Remember the poor. The least, the last, and the lost. Now that term poor is kind of nebulous, so I want us to kind of zero in on that. Who are, who are the poor? And one thing that becomes readily apparent when we read the Scriptures, what's, what the Bible says about the poor is this. God is concerned about a lot more than just their financial needs. It's certainly true that God's people are expected to make sure that the basic necessities of life are provided for, for everyone, including the poor, food, clothing, shelter. We should do that. But that's not the only part of the story. God is also concerned about the least, the last, the lost. Who are these people? Who are the poor? The least. The least are the helpless. Look at Psalm 82 3. Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Caring for the poor includes giving justice, becoming a defender of the weak and the powerless people who have no one to speak for them, people who are victims of violence and oppression. Who are these people? They're the fatherless, the unborn children waiting, in their, waiting for their mothers to decide whether or not they should go to Planned Parenthood. And they're the abused women and children trying to escape violent homes, They're the foster children, some with disabilities waiting forever to be adopted. They're the women whose husbands have left them after they've maxed out the family credit cards. They're the children of drug addicts who will never be quite right. So many others, so many others. These are the least among us who are suffering injustice and oppression through no fault of their own. Who are the least among us? Who are the poor among us? The least. The least. They're also the last. The last are the friendless. 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 You have to forgive me. I uh, have been at Fort Caswell for two days and got in and... Ah, My eyes aren't focused real well. The last are the friendless. These are the last people that you would ever invite over to your house for a dinner party. The last people that you'd invite over to your neighborhood for a barbecue. They'd never get on your guest list. They're not even on your radar. Look at Luke 14, verse 12. When you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. The the last are the people who are so difficult to be around. You know who they are. I mean you have them in your life just like I do. They have special needs. They need assistance and help. Their table manners and behavior leave a lot to be desired. They're the families with special needs children who never get invited anywhere. They're the people whose life experiences are so different from yours that you don't know what to talk about or where to even begin talking about it with them. When you enter a room of people, they're the last ones that you want to be with. And God forbid that they end up in your small group Bible study. Besides, besides, there's no way they can ever pay you back. But Jesus says there will be payback when you get to heaven. He promised it. So start building a, a new guest list and open up your heart and your home to the friendless. Who are the poor among us? They're the least. They're the last. They're also the lost. The lost are the hopeless. Back to that verse that we've looked at so many times, Matthew nine thirty-five, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and pro- proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. See, in this story, Jesus is traveling all over the place, back and forth, from one side of the Sea of Galilee to the other. He's preaching and teaching and healing, and as he goes from place to place, crowds of people come out to see him, and he attends to their physical needs. But you know what breaks his heart? His heart's broken by their spiritual lostness. The Living Bible says it this way. Their problems were so great, and they didn't know what to do or where to go for help. In essence, they were lost. Some of you might remember that TV series from a couple of years ago, Lost. It aired for six seasons, I think. And the series followed the survivors of a crash of a commercial airline jet. I think about this Malaysian thing that went down every time I I think about Lost. Commercial air passenger jet flying between Sydney and Los Angeles. And it crashed on this mysterious tropical island in the South Pacific. It contained all kinds of twists and turns and, and even time shifts. The people in it never knew whether they were coming or whether they were, were going. They couldn't tell what was true and, and what was false. They weren't even sure if they were dead or alive sometimes. It was as if they were living in a very bad dream. And they couldn't wake up from it. And that's how Jesus saw the crowds of people who came out to see him as lost souls locked in a bad dream. And it broke his heart. Here's our focus. When we're called to remember the poor, We need to look at more than just that person's income. (laughs) Some of the poorest people may be the most wealthy. We need to look at the least the people who can't defend themselves, the people who are helpless. We need to look at the last, the people who will never make it on our guest list, people who are friendless. We need to look at the lost, people who are locked into a bad dream, people who are hopeless. These are the people that broke Jesus' heart. These are the very ones who cried out to him for mercy. I think if we want to apply this, we've got to ask for some help from the Holy Spirit. So let's pause for just a minute and do that before we go on. Asking the Holy Spirit to try to put some names and faces on the poor around us. Maybe maybe you close your eyes and you can see them better. I don't know. Whatever works for you. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you remember Remember people that you know. Or people that you come in contact with. People that are helpless. People that are friendless. People that are hopeless. Who is it that comes to mind? Who is it that he's bringing to your mind right now? Ask the Holy Spirit for a name. Ask him for a face. Ask him for a place that breaks Jesus' heart. Now I would ask that you write down whatever God brought to your attention on the back of your connect card somewhere on the back there you can do it in the prayer section or some other part whatever he brought to mind you might want to also copy that on your on your uh, handout too so you have a copy of the very same thing you don't you don't have to put your name on the connect card we always say that unless you want to i would love to know who you are though you don't have to do it But if the Holy Spirit has spoken to you about some poor around us, do that on the card and then drop it in these baskets up here during communion. I want to begin, I want the staff and the ministry team to begin praying for those people. To see how God might want us at Renovation Church to respond. We need to start somewhere. And I want your eyes and ears to help me become more aware of what's going on around us. You see, you see things that I never see. There's more than a hundred of you, I don't know, more than a hundred of you, sets of eyes out in the community immediately after we leave here. And I work in my little universe here (laughs) you're in all the rest of the world around us and you can help me so much by doing that please help me out tell me what god is showing you well how can we respond with compassion and with mercy i think we have to understand what those two things are and what the difference is perhaps what's compassion Compassion is our emotional response to the suffering of others. Some of us have a very deep emotional response to the suffering of others. Some of us us don't. Compassion is what motivates us to help. We see people who are suffering for whatever the reason... And our hearts go out to them. And and we want to do something to alleviate their suffering. But here is a word of caution for you. The purpose of biblical compassion... The purpose of biblical compassion is not to make us feel better ourselves. The purpose of biblical... Compassion is to actually do something for the suffering people. Just this week, Starbucks started a campaign. A campaign to improve race relations. Friends. (laughs) How? Well, they have the employees write on your cup of coffee. Race together on all the coffee cups; those cups that they use to serve their overpriced coffees. <laughs> and maybe I'm missing something here. Maybe, 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 maybe I'm off base. But who goes to Starbucks for a substantive, uh, substantive discussion of race relations in America? And why would you want to have such a conversation with a barista in the first place? It might make that barista feel better, but it doesn't change anything. The difference is Jesus felt compassion, and he showed mercy. He did something about it. So what is mercy? My simple definition is this, mercy is our practical response to the sufferings of others, a response that actually alleviates their suffering. See, blind people called out, Lord, have mercy, and Jesus restored their sight. Crowds of hungry people who had spent the day listening to him teach on the hillside were given bread and fish. A woman cried out on behalf of her daughter, and Jesus cast out a demon that was oppressing her. Jesus healed the sick, gave sight to the blind, freed the oppressed, and fed the hungry. And when you and I cry out, Lord, have mercy, Jesus forgave us our sins, yours and mine, and gave us a fresh start on life. Compassionate people give both help and hope to those who are suffering. Both help and hope. Poor people, the least, the last, the lost. They often need help right now. Right now. In the middle of the winter, when it's cold and rainy, and homeless people need a shelter and and warm clothes, or they'll die of hypothermia. They need a hand out. But long term, the least, the last, the lost, They need a hand up. They need help to move them forward in life. They need help to show them that they can have a better future. They need help that brings them to Jesus, help that gives them hope in this life and the life to come. And as the people of God, we are uniquely positioned here at Renovation Church to do just that. And many of us, many of you... Are already doing it, take a look at the back of your handout the back side of your handout. We listed some of the things here that that we could think of. this isn't a complete list. Let me say that first if I left your your function off of there, I am sorry, but this was a a quick uh, recap of what we could think of that that uh that is going on in our church. Shepherd's Table, Prison Alpha, North Strand Housing Shelter, St. Delights Pentecostal Holiness Church, their outreach, Angel Tree uh, from Prison Fellowship, Operation Christmas Child, Feed the Hunger, Meal Mania, Packathon, whatever they want to call it this year, Local Benevolence, helping those within our own group here, Missions to Haiti, Missions to Costa Rica, Missions to Nepal, missions, Missions to wherever God might send us. And some of you here are already, actually, a lot of you, as I look out here, are already involved in social services, health and medical care, hospice and home care, public schools, legal services, public safety, guardians ad litem. You people are doing it. But we can do more. We can always do more. See, the poor. The poor don't need another government program. What the poor need is to be remembered by God's people. People who are becoming more compassionate and more merciful. People just like us. People who have been shown great mercy and now want to give away what we ourselves have so freely received. How do we do that? How can you possibly do that? You do it by taking a risk for Jesus. This is risky business. This is messy business. If you don't want to get your hands dirty, then this ain't the place for you. It's messy. It's risky. Take a risk for Jesus. Meet and befriend the poor. You see, unless they're a member of your family or they live in your neighborhood... We usually don't have contact with the poor. Often it means going out of our way to meet them or just finding out who they even are. One great philosopher said to me, Walmart on Friday nights, when people get paid, that's the place to meet the working poor. I don't think I'm going there, but... Serving at shepherd's table is a better way to meet some of those folks because you can sit down with them. You can talk with them. Shepherd's table, every third Friday our church goes to Little River United Methodist Church and helps there. Look for a sign up. Befriending the poor... You see, it takes time and it takes effort. It takes trust and it takes friendship. And all that is built over a period of time. Take a risk for Jesus. Listen and learn from the poor, the second thing. One of the greatest gifts we can give anyone, anyone, is to listen to them. And I mean really listen, what I would call active listening not just wait for them to take a breath so you can jump into the conversation. Listening is one of the skills that we try to teach on the Alpha Course. Listen and learn the least, the last, the lost. You see, they often live in a different world entirely than most of us live in. Typically, typically, they have less money and less material possessions. They have less tools. They have less opportunities and less options. They can teach us a lot about living life with less. We have a lot to learn. Take a risk. Love and serve the poor. Take a look at this video.
1: prison alpha Alpha meal team and we start out um approximately at 5 a.m in the morning uh, with cooking marty and i both cook at our homes and we meet for prayer and then we travel
2: and try and keep our food hot out to j reuben long and we serve uh, 15 inmates and then the guards probably four or five guards and then they have a staff there, and then also um, our guys that are doing the training. So
1: there's probably a total of 30 people that we feed every week. We've been told that this is part of a life recovery program. They have many aspects of it, uh, but the alpha, the prison alpha, has become part of it, so. Well, they do, they work
2: on their GED. It's a year-long program, and so it's not part of the, the regular prison or jail, it's across the street in a separate building, and these are people, guys that are a little more trusted, and some of them have jobs that they actually get to do on the outside and come back, and then they work on their GEDs, and they work on classes, and how how to be back into society, so Alpha goes right along with that.
1: Yes, and when uh, they finally do let the inmates come through the doors, they come through with um, big smiles on their face. They look so happy to be there and they just uh, greet us. They know our names. They've, uh, they've learned both of our names and they just enjoy having us there and it's been such a blessing. It just
2: feels like being the hands and feet of Christ. That we're feeding their bellies and God
1: feeds their soul. It just reminds me of when Jesus fed the multitude uh, with the bread of life. And that's what basically what we're doing is we're giving them the nourishment, and they get the rest from the alpha group meeting. They share, like I said, they share so much with us that it's it's almost like we're family now. And we've had special requests, which we've tried to
2: meet. (coughs) Which one week met making how many pancakes? 127
1: pancakes. (laughs) 127 pancakes, and also at least five pots of coffee and. (laughs) Lots of funny stories to go with it. Lots of
2: funny stories. But such a blessing. And they are so appreciative. They just, even before, when they first come in, they start telling us how much they enjoy
1: coming to eat. And they haven't even eaten anything yet that day. I believe one young man said to me that his whole week depended on Friday to Friday. He enjoyed the meals so much. And just being in the Alpha Group um, was just awesome to them they just look forward to the next Friday
2: and we let them take as much as they want we have enough that they can come back and have seconds and one of them has told me that they eat so much for breakfast that they don't eat lunch <laughs> they are blessing us and I believe that we're blessing them it's wonderful too to see even the reaction of the guards and and um, how appreciative they are and how everybody is so helpful to help us bring the food in
1: set it up and it's a very tiring time but it's a very rewarding time very rewarding um, by the time we get back at 9:30 in the morning back to renovation church we are tired for the day but it's been a good tired
0: most of us loving the poor is a cross cultural experience and that's certainly true with Prison Alpha. I told the chaplain over at the prison, he's ruined my life forever. I knew that as the one in charge here at Renovation Church, I needed to be a part of what was happening there. Uh, I have prayed for Prison Alpha since before we even started the church, but I really didn't want to, Yeah, you know, I didn't want to go. We could, we could have people here that would go, and they would, they would do a fine job. They didn't need me. Uh, and actually, I was able to find something to do for the first couple of weeks, and I thought, okay, I've got to go. I, and I showed up, and um, through the subsequent weeks of going over there, not only is it an alpha course that we're running, But we love those guys. We love them. They're friends. They have changed. The whole facility is talking about this little pod of prisoners that are different than the rest of the folks in the facility. And they're curious as to why. Love and serve. Serve. Prison Alpha requires that we approach that challenge of cross-cultural missions with a missionary mindset. It's just like going to Haiti, just like going to Costa Rica or Nepal. We listen. They told us nobody's ever listened to us before. We listen and we learn. We build understanding and we build trust so that we can learn how best to love and serve those particular inmates. It takes a lot of love. There are fits and starts throughout this program, almost throughout each day. Two weeks ago, we were locked out because of some electrical problem. We'd driven over there, the ladies had food, we served breakfast, and boom, we're through. People disappoint us. Sometimes they lie to us. Sometimes they use us. It takes time. It takes persistence. It takes consistency. It takes commitment. It can be a risky business. It can be a messy business. But along the way, God is shaping our hearts and our minds so that we can become more like Jesus. Take a risk for Jesus as Number four, you welcome and share with the lost. Ultimately, our our goal is to welcome the least, the last, the lost into our families, into our churches, in our homes, as brothers and sisters in Christ, sharing life in Christ with them. Our purpose, God's purpose... Is not simply to enable them to survive in a state of perpetual suffering. Our purpose, God's purpose, is to offer a full and satisfying life and to share that life with them now and throughout eternity. That's why we, the help we offer now, right now, is intended to lead people to hope. Hope for a better tomorrow. And that's the last fill-in that you have there. Help now offers hope for a new tomorrow. So, who is it that God's put on your heart today? What next steps are you going to take? I'd love for you to write them on your handout, the one that you take home with you so that you'll remember and you'll follow through in this coming week. Is there something that we should be praying about as a church that you know of? Write it down in that prayer section, the lower left-hand corner of your Connect card. Drop it in the basket up here during communion. We need to know what God has placed on your heart. This morning, or as you pray about this, maybe during the coming week, you can you could do this next week as well. Would you like prayer here today, you personally? Maybe you're one of the ones here thinking, "Well, I'm one of the least, the last, the lost, and, and I need help myself." You can talk with one of our ministry team; they'll be available in the back and on the sides here during and throughout communion and then following the service. You can pray up front here if you want to come up silently by yourselves. Or you can stay in your seat. Pray silently there. Just cry out to Jesus today, Lord, have mercy, and He will answer you. And he will meet you at the place of your deepest need. Do you need help? Let us know that. And we'll do what we can to help. But whatever you do, don't, don't hold on to all this stuff yourself. One way or another, give it to Jesus. That's why He came into our world, you see. John 10, ten says, Jesus says, My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Let us pray. God, I just thank you so much for the opportunities that you've given to us as a church to reach out and beyond these walls, these doors into the community around us. And God, we know this is a risky business. God, we know there's going to be messes along the way. We're going to mess up. They're going to mess up. But you're going to see us through. You promise that. If our hearts are indeed set on helping the poor you'll see us through. You'll show us the best avenue to take. God, I pray that hearts have been stirred here in ways maybe that they haven't been before to think and to look and to see and to hear with spiritual um, eyes and ears the people around us, the wait person in the restaurant, The server at Dunkin' Donuts. The checkout lady at the supermarket. The lady that my cart bumps into at Walmart. Opportunities that you place before us every day. Show us how to capitalize on those opportunities what you would have us say, what you would have us do. Not so we feel good, but for your glory and for the relief of suffering of the poor. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke the bread and said, Friends, this is my body that's broken for you. And After the meal, he took a cup, poured wine in, saying, This cup is the new covenant, the new covenant in my blood that's poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. He said, As often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup you remember my death until I come and in remembering his death it's impossible not to remember what he's done for us his compassion and his mercy that was poured out on us why so we could pour it out on someone else so we could pass it along that's what he calls you and what he calls me to do today each day of our lives compassion and mercy that's not one of the easiest things for me to do but when I depend on the Holy Spirit to guide me it can be one of the most satisfying things to do I think some of you may be in the same place trust him Trust Him. He's with you. He'll walk through every circumstance with you. Show you the way.